We have 40 MRI machines per about a million people in the U.S. You get to Mexico, there's two MRI machines per million people. You get to a typical African country, there's one in the capital. People are dying. Hello, and welcome to Xconomy Voices. It's a podcast from Xconomy, the news and events company focused on business and technology in the exponential economy. I'm Wade Rausch, a contributing editor at Xconomy, and this new podcast is all about conversations. We'll talk to some of the world's leading entrepreneurs and innovators and ask them what they're working on, what they're excited about, and why they think their idea or business is going to change the world. Our very first guest is Mary Lou Jepson. She's the founder and CEO of a startup in Sausalito, California, called Open Water. Mary Lou is kind of a legend in the world of consumer electronics for her ability to both invent new display technologies and help get them to market. That's exactly what she did as the chief technology officer at the One Laptop Per Child project, and later as an executive at Google X and Facebook's Oculus division. Now, Mary Lou is building on her understanding of display technology and manufacturing to build a new kind of wearable imaging system that collects data from inside the human body. Mary Lou says open water's sensor arrays could collect information that would be very similar to the pictures we get now from MRI machines, but using infrared light instead of giant magnets. In the short term, that could make life-saving medical data available to a lot more people. In the long term, Mary Lou thinks it might even give us a limited form of telepathy, or at least the ability to see what someone is thinking about by looking inside their brain. Hi, how's this? It's great. Could you start off by saying a little bit about who you are, first of all, and then talk a little bit about what you're up to these days? Sure. Uh, I'm Mary Lee Jepson. I'm the former co-founder of One Laptop Per Child. I was its first CTO. And at Google, I founded and ran a couple of moonshots for Sergey Brin. And at Facebook, I was executive director of engineering and worked on bringing virtual reality and augmented reality to the next level. And my most recent startup, the one I left Facebook for, is Open Water. Okay, what is the driving idea then at Open Water? What are you trying to build there? We're working on a wearable MRI system that doesn't use MRI. It's MRI resolution plus plus. And the impact is targeted for two areas, obviously one in healthcare, and not so obviously the same device will enable telepathy, meaning communication with human thought alone. That's pretty provocative when you put it that way. But when you say MRI, you don't literally mean magnetic resonance imaging. You mean an MRI-like kind of sensing of what's going on inside the body. Right. A way to see inside of your body with higher or equivalent resolution or even higher resolution than the current best imaging techniques like MRI, CT, and so forth. Great. And well, we all know that MRI is expensive and and uses these giant magnets, and that's why the machines are only, you know, inside hospitals. So it's part of the idea here to to make it smaller and cheaper? Exactly. Put it into a ski hat or a bra for breast cancer detection or a bandage. Exactly. Okay. Well, how will it work? I mean, what's the basic science behind this whole idea? So the basic idea is that the body is translucent to near-infrared light. That's the light that's wavelengths a little bit longer than red. Not the harmful UV light, but um, the stuff you can see with night vision goggles. And the body's translucent to it, but it scatters it. 
And the basic idea is to use custom LCDs with embedded detectors to first take a hologram of the scattering of your body and second invert the scattering using, this is a little technical, using a principle called phase conjugation. And these collectively can give the equivalent or even more information than today's MRI, but at consumer electronics type prices and scale. Right, right. You gave a, a TED Talk uh, back in 2013 that has something like a million views, and you told a little bit of that story then. So you've been thinking about this problem for a long time. Yeah, since the late 90s, I think. I, I had a, a brain tumor when I was in, in grad school and uh, got it removed and uh, only took a month out, actually. I was going to drop out because I was so sick. And then somebody sprung for the cost of an MRI. They found the brain tumor. I had it surgically removed. One month later, they let me back into grad school. I finished my PhD six months later and co-founded my first startup. And I never forgot how close I was to death. Anyway, I became fascinated by neuroscience and as a matter of self-preservation, read very widely on this subject for the last 20 years and became very interested in advances in uh, small magnet systems. And I thought that maybe we could make not bigger magnets, but better magnets using devices. They're called, some of them, it's an acronym called SQUIDS, not real SQUIDS, but a, a, a kind of um, interesting magnetic phenomenon in a small size. And I started to look and delve into that and actually pitch that to... Uh, Larry and Sergey as they were starting up Solve4x, and I pitched this as a project about creating a system that you could wear so you could communicate with human thought. And I think Sergey Brin was smitten and acquired me and my company, but then <laughs> directed us to not work on that project. And instead, I um, founded and ran a couple of moonshot programs for him that are still stealth. At some point, you pivoted from the idea of using these magnets, these squids, or what are they, superconducting quantum interference devices, and, and you're now using infrared. So what happened there? Uh, I read a paper in 2014 uh, about a group in, in St. Louis, actually, who, using diffuse optical tomography, sorry, there's a lot of technical words, but, but um, using infrared light to look through the scattering of your body, match the resolution of an MRI system to a, a couple of centimeters of depth in the head. They were able with, with near infrared light to match the resolution of functional magnetic resonance imaging. But I, I was just floored. I thought, wow, I don't have to, it's not a magnetic thing. We could do this optically. That's, that's, that's my thing. That's what I know a lot about. And these, these brilliant researchers and neuroscientists uh, have, have made this major breakthrough, but they don't know much about consumer electronics at all or <laughs> shipping product. Uh, so, huh, maybe I should dive in and work on this. These sensor arrays, they would be kind of uh, a mesh or a flexible network of LCDs with detectors kind of uh, mixed into that, right? Yeah, there's this really cool effect that Einstein explained called the photoelectric effect. And so silicon, you can get it to work in both ways. When light hit, hits silicon, it, it, the, the, the current changes, and we can measure that. I don't buy off-the-shelf LCDs. For about 20 years, I've been working 
and shipping really, really innovative optoelectronics components using the big multi-billion dollar fabs of Asia to ship billions of dollars of complex hardware software systems. And so I'm deeply familiar with every single manufacturing process in these multi-billion dollar fabs of Asia. It's a thing that I've um, done and I'm, I'm leveraging here to drastically reduce the cost and size of, of medical imaging devices. What stage are you at, Mary Lou, um, at Open Water? Uh, are you building a prototype? And what do you think would be the first application areas? Yeah, we're building prototypes. We're actually spending uh, about a year just building up prototypes, ripping them down and, and trying in parallel you know, a dozen different approaches. The, the implications are pretty profound for the billion people in the world that live with debilitating brain disease, be it mental disease or neurodegenerative disease. And they get an MRI once a year, for example. And the move to having a wearable with continuous diagnostic, diagnostic could be akin to uh, the transformation of diabetes care before you could buy an off-the-shelf system where you could do a blood stick and see what your insulin level was at that moment rather than a standard level of insulin every day. You can titrate it based on how you're doing. And also we can localize treatment because these systems that, that we're creating in open water that make your body effectively transparent can do reading and writing. So you can localize treatment in certain areas of your brain or body, you can read things and write things. So, and as we get to thinking about telepathy, that also has uh, somewhat profound implications if you think about learning and implanting thought. Do you think that you'll, you'll try to develop the medical imaging applications and the thought reading applications simultaneously, or are the so-called mind reading scenarios much farther out? I think the mind reading scenarios are farther out because of the ethical and legal implications. And the reason that I'm talking about them early is because they do have profound ethical and legal implications. The medical implications of, of, of having a bra that can tell you if you're developing breast cancer are, are, are more, you know, straightforward. Uh, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to do this in a small company was so that we could talk about it. If you got snapped up by Google, let's say, or, uh, or Intel, um, it might be harder to, to keep this conversation going. Right. I've already turned down an acquisition offer. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing to have a startup that everybody wants to fund. That's never happened to me before. It's a nice thing, but you still have to choose. And, uh, We'll announce in a few months probably what funding we've taken. Right now, we, I can't really speak about it, but um, certainly did decide not to go the acquisition route. What existing businesses do you think this could disrupt, the open water technology, if it works, if it's scalable, if it's affordable? Who would be you know, saving so much money from this that they would be willing to pay you whatever it takes, right? Oh, um you know, the, the thing is, like, when you're reducing the cost of something from a few million dollars, an MRI system, a few million dollars and a million dollars a year of upkeep, plus a dedicated person or two, to something that, at scale, hits consumer electronic prices and is a million times smaller, 
<laughs> there's your answer. I mean, so radiology departments sounds like you're going to be going up against General Electric <laughs> in the very near future. If if you can buy something that is smaller and cheaper, I mean, this is sort of the hundred dollar laptop problem, I suppose. Just another order of magnitude or two. Uh, we reduced the cost at one laptop per child. The, the average cost of a laptop was a thousand, two thousand dollars, and we made a hundred dollar laptop, and that was uh, disruptive to a couple companies. But on some level, uh, the whole industry, I think, needs a shakeup. The access is very low. People are dying. We have forty. Um, MRI machines per about a million people in the U.S. You get to Mexico, there's two MRI machines per million people. You get to a typical African country, there's one in the capital. People are dying. What is it like to be Mary Lou Jepsen right now? In a way, it seems like what you're doing now represents a convergence of everything you've been dreaming about for 20 years or more and all of the skills and experiences you've built up. It must be pretty exciting. It's really great. I think one of the reasons that I was able to do this is, I think everybody knows, um, Google and Facebook pay really well, <laughs> so really well uh, at the level I was at. And so I don't need the money anymore. So I was actually able to make decisions that I haven't been able to make for the last 20, since 1995 because I had a brain tumor. I needed health insurance, which meant I needed a job that had health insurance. I had to give up art and open source development. I had to give up a bunch of things because I really needed those things to live. And now I don't, but this is what I, if I could have chosen anything, this is what I wanted to do. And so now I get to do that. You've been listening to Exconomy Voices. The show is reported and produced by me, Wade Rausch. Greg Wong edits my scripts. Our theme music was written and performed by the band New Fame. If you like the show, we hope you'll subscribe to Exconomy Voices at iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcasts. At our website, exconomy.com, you'll find news and commentary about high-tech innovation in 11 cities and regions around the country. You can also find out about live conferences coming up in your area at exconomy.com slash events. In the next episode of Exconomy Voices, we'll talk with Christopher Alberg, the CEO of Recorded Future. It's a company using machine learning and other technologies to do threat intelligence for cybersecurity threats. We try to detect bad actors before they, they come to you, before they attack you. We try to understand their intentions, their capabilities, what they're up to, what they're doing tomorrow, what they're doing next week. But we also try to find out who is being targeted. Stay tuned, and thanks for joining us.